Cam is still rehabbing. Doesn't have to be a lot of a lot of questions either, just so you know that. I'll tell you guys where he is on Monday. I'll tell you where he is on Wednesday. Don't need to ask after that, to be honest with you. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. To be clear, Panthers head coach Ron Rivera, those were his comments yesterday. As we speak right now on our statewide David Glenn Show, coming at you in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns, we play best and worst of the weekend. The question to you right now, Kevin in Greensboro wants to be in next. You can take us anywhere you want to go. The Houston Astros as a best of the weekend. The Washington Nationals as a worst of the weekend. There was all sorts of other craziness involving the president of the United States and signs and beer and breasts and all sorts of chaos. North Carolina Courage won the NWS title. Martin Truex Jr. won at Martinsville. He'll be in the final four that uh, will decide the championship of nascar at homestead next month chaz surratt and the tar heels got a big win in college football over the rival duke blue devils dwight howard and the lakers got best of the weekend votes tiger woods won again on the pga tour tying the all-time mark of sam sneed at 82 such victories the 49ers over the Panthers generated a lot of best of the weekend, Nick Bosa and otherwise from the San Francisco side of things, but a lot of worst of the weekend, Kyle Allen and otherwise for the Panthers side of things. The reminder about Ron Rivera, that audio you just heard is from yesterday. As we speak, he is walking into a press conference inevitably to answer questions about, among other things, getting crushed 51-13 to by the 49ers. He handled some of those at the postgame yesterday. But also, is Cam healthy? At what point will he get the first team snaps in practice? Where do the Panthers go from here? Will their season collapse the way it did a year ago after an embarrassing national TV loss to the Steelers in Pittsburgh? I don't think these circumstances have a lot in common with those circumstances because remember front and center of the spiraling down the drain part of the Panther season last year is that we were coming up upon the realization that Cam Newton was not Cam Newton and that they needed to pull the plug on him because defenses stopped believing he could throw the ball downfield. Why? Because he couldn't throw the ball downfield and he had a bad shoulder and he's on the mend for his foot injury nowadays. We'll see what Ron Rivera says to the media as we come back to your calls. 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. Kevin is in Greensboro. You can follow. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? I will tell you why Dabo Sweeney's Michael Jordan analogy that he shared on our show, it was a couple of years ago, but it's like, why is Dabo talking about Michael Jordan from the basketball world? Well, there was a football analogy he was making, and I was reminded of it because of one of the best stories I saw in the NFL weekend. I'll get to that after we take more of your calls. Paul Riley from the North Carolina Courage, the head coach of the best women's soccer club on earth, based here in Cary, North Carolina. He will join us in less than 30 minutes. You can join us right now at 1-800-849-2761. Kevin, welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Thank you, David. Well, sure, if I'd have known about the baseball thing, that would have been front and center. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, which part? <laughs> you know, you might still have it on your DVR. I don't know. It's right behind home plate. Little boys yeah. everywhere have a new view of baseball thanks to some social justice warriors who bared all behind home plate. Uh, do, do we know anything else about those women, Darren? I really don't. I don't. They're just off my radar. Are they just attention-grabbing 
Kardashian-style social media people? I would assume so. I don't want to pass too much judgment, but, I mean, they are best described as Instagram famous. Okay. So I don't think you get to that label without an element of being hungry for attention. So the the incredibly glass-half-full approach to them would be that maybe, kind of, sort of, they did want to raise awareness sure. for breast cancer research by bearing theirs for all the baseball world to see. All right, I'm okay with that. We'll just assume the best in people as we try to get past the utter cynicism of Kardashian-style media Slut them. Kevin, go ahead with your best or worst of the weekend. All right, so my best is going to be the Tar Heels. Let me just say, Mac Brown has brought back interest in football in a way that I can't remember since maybe back when, you know, LT, I think that one year they got up to number three and they yeah. lost to South Carolina. Um, but also my worst of the weekend is the Tar Heels. Because, oh, my goodness, could they make it any more stressful? It was crazy, Thank man. God for Duke. Flebo play. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like a flea flicker between a flea flicker and a Flebo. That's very nice. That Flebo. That's good. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for playing. I forget who tweeted this. I, I th- actually, I think it was Miles Dorn's brother, the former Wolfpack basketball player, Torin Dorn Jr. He tweeted, Something along the lines of a lot of North Carolinians are going to need a lot more heart medication because of this UNC football team. And, of course, his brother, Miles, is a star safety for the Tar Heels and having a good season, perhaps a bowl season, we'll see. Carolina is in the weird predicament of both being in contention for a trip to the ACC title game at 4-4, four and four, but remember, 3-2 and two in conference play, UVA lost to Louisville, so they came back to the pack. Pitt lost to Miami, so the Panthers came back to the pack. Virginia Tech still has only two conference losses. So you have four of the seven teams in that division, the same in the loss column with two each. The Heels, you could both glass half full from the Tar Heels' perspective, say they have as good a chance as anybody of playing in the ACC title game from the Coastal. And they play Virginia next. So whoever wins head-to-head between UVA and UNC this coming Saturday, you are officially in the driver's seat. Not that you can't be catapulted past, but you're in the driver's seat. Head-to-head winner this coming Saturday, UVA against UNC. But Miami just won. I mean, you can't say the Canes are dead. Duke's 2-3 and in conference play. You can't say they're dead. There's still time, right? Nobody has more than three, three losses in conference play in that division, but nobody has more than three wins. You could both say that Carolina is a, has a good shot at a trip to the ACC title game, and Carolina has a decent shot of falling short of a bowl entirely. Like, isn't it that crazy? If you only beat the – you have one lesser opponent remaining if you're Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. You play Mercer. So you're going to win that game at Keenan Stadium. So that's your fifth win. Well, you need to get to six wins to just go to a bowl game. And that's been Mac's party line since the day he got the job. There is no rebuild. It would be disrespectful to these seniors especially if the Tar Heels just played for the future or played the young guys or whatever. 
he made clear that he's not asking dudes who put three or four or five years into their life into this program, part of it under Larry Fedora, he, he was not going to do it. He's too old, life's too short, and those seniors deserve better. So here they are, four and four, and remember, there is no embarrassing defeat. You lost to the number one in the nation at the time, Clemson Tigers, by a point at home. You lost to App State, which hasn't lost yet either. And you lost to Wake Forest, which has only one loss. And all three of those games were by a handful of points. So those were, those were three of your losses. They lose in six overtimes at Virginia Tech. We're not sure if the Hokies are really good or not. They're another. Could they be in the ACC title game? Yeah, they could. Could they fall short of a bowl entirely? Yeah, they could. That's how chaotic the Coastal is right now. When you're looking forward, Pitt still has a legitimate chance to win that division. UVA versus UNC, the winner head-to-head, has a legitimate chance to win that division. And you can't count out the Hokies yet either because they would have a head-to-head if they tied to the Tar Heels. They'd have that tiebreaker. They still have to play both Pitt and Virginia. Virginia Tech has to play all three of the other three teams that it's tied with in the the conference standings right now. So you want it settled on the field? There you have it. The Hokies could face plant and miss a bowl entirely. The Hokies could go on a roll here. They have to go to Notre Dame. That's probably another loss, but that's a non-conference game. Then they get Wake Forest at, um, at Georgia Tech, Pitt and, at Virginia. So they already played the Tar Heels, of course, but they get the other two teams they're contending with in their final two games of the regular season. As a product of the great state of Virginia, Commonwealth, if you will, are you aware of the Virginia-Virginia Tech rivalry? Just in case, keep in mind, in these parts, there's a possibility that NC State is scratching and clawing for a bowl come November 30th when they host the Tar Heels. There's a possibility both teams need a win to get to a bowl. Maybe they both are better than that, and it's just bragging rights and a better bowl, etc. Meanwhile... As the Heels and the Packs have th- the Pack have that regular season finale to look forward to, with who knows what on the line by then, Virginia Tech visits Virginia on Friday, November 29th. The eyeball test says that Virginia is better than Virginia Tech this year. The rankings have suggested that Virginia is better than Virginia Tech this year. The NFL test suggests that Virginia is better than Virginia Tech this year. But you know why most Hokies fans roll their eyes at all of those things? Do you know how long the streak is at this point? It doesn't go back to your diaper years, Darren. No. But it goes way past your four years at the David Glenn Show. (laughs) It goes zooming past your time as an upcoming play-by-play man for ESPN3. It rockets straight past... You're working with Tubby Smith as the high point basketball voice. It goes way past your USA Baseball podcast and your status as the voice of USA Baseball. I'm picturing you in red, white, and blue as I say that proudly. It goes past your grad school days at Elon. It goes past your undergrad days at Emory and Henry University in Virginia. I'm trying to remember the exact number, but you were at least... In middle middle high school years, the last time the Cavaliers beat the Hokies head-to-head in football. If I'm not mistaken, because it's been, what, 15 years? Is that the streak? I was in high school, I think. I think I was a freshman in high school. Th- is this 15? I'm having a hard time remembering. I think it I mean, made 15 
last season. Okay, because think about it. The Devils beating the Heels three in a row was a big deal. Three in a row in a rivalry matchup. You know, Duke and Carolina basketball, one of the most famous rivalries in the world. You're not getting to 15 in a row on either side unless you're going back till Teddy Roosevelt wasn't throwing out the first pitch in a Major League Baseball game, right? This is serious business that is not on the national radar, really. All they care about is Clemson is undefeated. They want to beat up the lack of competition that the Tigers have in the ACC. Some of the criticism is fair, remember. Last year, only Syracuse joined Clemson in the national top 25 of the final polls. This year, I would argue Wake Forest is having a really good year. Only one loss still. Scott Satterfield in Louisville handed Wake its only loss. I mean, I have to put out weekly power rankings for accsports.com. When Wake and Louisville are among the next teams you think of after Clemson, and we watched Louisville put up a 62-burger on the Deeks in Winston-Salem, how do you not put Louisville number two in your power rankings, right? I mean, as much as I was impressed by watching the Heels beat the Devils, they're only four and four. The game could have gone either way. There's no juggernaut out there, but... Wake's having a really good year. We know beyond the ACC, App State is part of the national conversation. But besides the Mountaineers, the the world doesn't care about the rest of the state of North Carolina right now. It's Clemson and everybody else. People in the Commonwealth, where I spend a significant amount of time as a sports radio guest and otherwise, they care about Virginia hosting Virginia Tech on November 29th. Around here, we care as the Wolfpack hosts the Tar Heels on November 30th. We cared Saturday when the Tar Heels beat the Blue Devils in the crazy, unpredictable nail-biter. We're off those radars for the most part, but that's some drama now because whoever, if somebody got on a run to represent the Coastal, of course they're going to go to Charlotte with all of us saying they have no chance, but of course they're going to go to Charlotte with coaches and the people in the locker room and teammate to teammate saying, we're going to shock the world when we go to Charlotte to take on the probably still at that point undefeated Clemson Tigers. And for anybody who thinks it's an impossibility, we were there when Larry Fedora's Tar Heels played Clemson's Tigers down to a one possession ACC title game and almost had an onside kick that would have made things really hairy, hairy for Dabo and the boys at the end. K-State just beat Oklahoma. You can't say that it's impossible, right? That just happened. So that's the dream for whoever gets on a roll in the Coastal Division. Will it be UVA, Virginia Tech, UNC, or Pitt? Could somebody else even get into that mix? It is still mathematically possible. It is, it is as chaotic as we guess the Coastal will be. The UVA-UNC winner this coming Saturday, though, does put itself in a great chance to have the kind of season that would end uh, or that would lead to Charlotte for that ACC title game. 1-800-849-2761. Paul Riley, a national champion once again, head coach of the North Carolina Courage, back-to-back NWSL championships, 4 nothing over Julie Ertz and the Chicago Red Stars yesterday in Cary. Final pro game 
for former U.S. Women's National Team stud, also former UNC Tar Heels superstar, Heather O'Reilly stepped into retirement in style and got a whole lot of help from her teammates and that 10,000-plus capacity crowd at Salem Stadium. Coach Riley later, more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls right now, 1-800-849-2761. Worst of the weekend is all over the place. The Washington Nationals of baseball, the Golden State Warriors of the NBA, the Carolina Panthers, and many others in the NFL, Oklahoma for its untimely loss at Kansas State, Notre Dame for getting trounced by Michigan, Duke, UVA, and Pitt all shot themselves in the foot. Best of the weekend all over the place as well. The Houston Astros, Tiger Woods, the Carolina Hurricanes, the North Carolina Courage, Dwight Howard and the Lakers, the... Saints, Colts, Eagles, Packers, Texans, Patriots, and 49ers, among others in the NFL. You can be next with your question or comment. You can be next with your vote at the ballot box. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why over the weekend that was? That's the number, 1-800-849-2761. You can be next on The David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised, Dabo Sweeney and Michael Jordan, what do they have to do with one another? Quick story, and then we come back to your calls. Paul Riley of the once again NWSL champion, North Carolina Courage, will join us a little bit later this hour. As I picked over the NFL schedule and had my fraternity brothers in town, and we had our Memorial Golf Tournament on Friday, and we did our big tailgate tour at the Duke Carolina game on Saturday, I did want to enjoy some NFL, even I was as I was there in person as the Courage beat Chicago for the NWSL title. I had to DVR the Panthers game, for example. No real need to splice that film in the aftermath, given the best of the weekend 51-13 win for the 49ers and Kyle Allen's worst of the weekend train wreck. Again, we all agree it was a team effort, but they were annihilated in every way by the 49ers. I thought originally that one matchup last night was going to give us the two best offenses in the NFL, just as I would argue that the two undefeated teams still standing in the NFL offer the two best defenses. Bill Belichick was best of the weekend this weekend, in part, really more so for a milestone, career win number 300, only Don Shula, 347, and George Hallis, 324, have more victories as a head coach in the history of the NFL, more so that milestone than 27-13 over the Cleveland Browns. Fun fact, Bill Belichick's first NFL head coaching victory came for the Browns against the Patriots. Number 300 came for the Patriots against the Browns. So Belichick, they're playing historically good defense. They're the best team in the NFL until somebody suggests otherwise. Belichick, by the way, at 67 years old, would need to coach at least through the 2023 season to have a chance to catch Don Shula on the all-time wins list. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know what that long-range plan is for the post-Tom Brady era, whatever that begins. 
He's young enough that he could certainly catch Don Shula and pass him. He could easily make it into his early 70s as a head coach. Remember Jim Beheim of Syracuse coaching college basketball at 75 years old. That makes Belichick at 67 look young. But the team that beat the Panthers, the 49ers, 51-13, I think they have the other best defense in the NFL. Nick Bosa is one of the best edge rushers to enter this league since Julius Peppers in 2002. He looks like the NFL Rookie of the Year. Who is athletic enough to make his interception and almost pick six against Kyle Allen? Dennis Daly, the left tackle, cuts Nick Bosa of the 49ers. He avoids going to the ground entirely with his acrobat-style athleticism. Then he has the hand-eye coordination to not just bat down the pass that was supposedly going to be thrown over his cut-block head, makes the interception instead, then makes people miss. It was only making Kyle Allen miss a couple times, but he almost took it to the house. Plus, he has seven sacks in seven games, number two overall out of Ohio State. You can emblazon that one as a great use of a high draft pick. Niners and Bosa among the best of the NFC. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, the best of the NFL so far. I thought Green Bay against Kansas City was going to match the two best offenses in this league. Now, I didn't know at the time Patrick Mahomes was going to have his knee issue. He's going to be back soon, but he was not there. It was former Panthers backup Matt Moore leading Kansas City. And it was more entertaining than I would have guessed. 31-24. Green Bay over the no Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs. Green Bay is now 7-1 and one with an offense that probably is the best in the NFL, at least until Mahomes comes back or shows that he's at full strength. Meanwhile, Dabo and Michael Jordan as we come to your calls. Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans did sadly lose 30, 30-year-old J.J. Watt for the season. J.J. Watt, by the way, by the end of this year, will have missed 32 of his last 64 regular season games with Houston. That is exactly 50% of the time. Just season-ending injury after season-ending injury. You can't admire a guy's work ethic more on the field, off the field, easy to root for a guy. Just a sad result. This time, what a torn peck puts him out. But the Texans nevertheless got the win over the Raiders 27-24. to And Deshaun Watson's role there reminded me of what Dabo Sweeney said about him on our show. Texans remember now 5-3 and three because of that very close win over the Raiders. They still have a shot at the AFC South title. They're only half a game behind Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts. On the game-winning touchdown pass, Deshaun Watson, deep in Oakland territory, spins out of two potential sacks. Could have been game over. And you're just another 4-4 four and four football team on the outside looking in. Instead, he spins out of both of those sacks. He got kicked in the eye in the course of what turned out to be a touchdown pass and the game-winning play for the Houston Texans. You know how unusual that is? A defensive player had been kind of flipped upside down. His cleats went high in the air. What are the odds that the tip of that guy's foot would hit Deshaun Watson in the eye meaning the opposing upside-down defender's foot went above his face mask bar but below the top of the forehead part of his helmet. It it hit him in the eye, and yet he still spun out of the second would-be sack. Finds his tight end somehow, open in the middle of the end zone, wasn't even all that open, but threw a dime, gets the touchdown, gets the win. 
when Clemson, when Deshaun Watson was leading, leaving Clemson, and there was a debate at the time. Remember, Patrick Mahomes was in the same draft class, and we all remember who went higher. Mitchell Trubisky, now on the hot seat for the Chicago Bears as the Bears season continues to struggle, and as Mitch personally continues to struggle, he was the higher quarterback pick. Remember, Mahomes, Trubisky went number two overall to the Bears. Anyone wondering about the Panthers' future? To me, Kyle Allen reminded us at San Francisco that he is a quality backup quarterback in the NFL, but probably not the guy that you want trying to succeed somebody who's been the MVP, Cam Newton, as your franchise quarterback. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. He's already done more than I would thought would have thought in his 4-1 record so far this year. But you've got to get these decisions right. The Panthers later this year, not right now, you could debate who starts next week, but you have to make a decision on Cam for the bigger picture by the end of the season. The Bears got it wrong. Unless Trubisky reverses things, and he has a good enough defense, at times a good enough running game, he has a decent supporting cast. You can't just claim that the Bears threw him to the Wolves. He hasn't been good enough often enough. Meanwhile, So the Bears spin their wheels as an organization. The Chiefs have taken off like a rocket, in part because Patrick Mahomes, they got at number 10. Trubisky to the Bears at 2. Patrick Mahomes to the Chiefs at 10. He's already been an MVP, and assuming good health after his knee scare, he's got a chance to be a multi-time MVP. Sitting there at number 12 was Deshaun Watson. So technically, 11 teams passed on Deshaun Watson. They didn't all need quarterbacks. But what did Davo Sweeney say on our show that year as Watson was – being dissected the way all the quarterbacks and all the high draft picks are by the, the gurus and Mel Kuypers and, and former coaches and GMs. Remember Bill Polian saying Lamar Jackson would be better off at wide receiver. Same draft where the Panthers, not needing a quarterback in 2017, took Christian McCaffrey at number eight. You can't argue with that one. Dabo Sweeney said, whoever needs a quarterback and passes on Deshaun Watson is going to be remembered the way the NBA teams who passed on Michael Jordan coming out of UNC are going to be remembered. Now, that was way back in 1984. I don't think the Houston Rockets, for the record, are sad that they took Akeem Olajuwon number one overall that year. He's in the Hall of Fame as well. Would you have rather had Michael Jordan? I think yes. But they didn't drop the ball entirely. They got one of the greatest big men in the history of the NBA as the number one pick in 1984. Sadly, the Portland Trailblazers chose oft-injured Kentucky center Sam Bowie, who had an oft-injured pro career as well. That is dropping the ball. We can't draw conclusions on all of these things, but it's fair to say that Chicago took the wrong dude. Maybe Mitch turns out good and surprises a lot of people. He hasn't been a train wreck either. But he's certainly not Patrick Mahomes, and he's definitely not Deshaun Watson either. He is a difference maker. He showed it again against the Raiders. He's the main reason that the Texans are in a playoff-like position. In 1984, for the record, Charles Barkley was in that same draft. Future Hall of Famer John Stockton was in that, hall of, in that same draft class, 1984. Michael Jordan was the best of the best, and he went third overall. Deshaun Watson's not maybe going to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but 11 teams passed him, passed on him. Some of them needed quarterbacks, 
and I, I don't have any doubt that he's going to be proved to be a high-level quarterback in this league, assuming good health for a long, long time to come. It's not a perfect analogy to Michael Jordan, but Dabo's words rang true as I watched Deshaun Watson take a near-certain defeat and turned it into a victory for the Houston Texans just yesterday. 1-800-849-2761. Last chance for phone calls will come later. Paul Riley of the world champion once again, North Carolina Courage. I was there yesterday in Cary as they not only beat Chicago in the championship match, they trounced Julie Ertz and the Red Stars. 4 nothing was the final. Heather O'Reilly steps into retirement in style. Paul Riley gets back-to-back NWSL championships. And there's a lot of other bouquets to toss around. Coach Riley on the other side, former player and and fantastic coach right here in our backyard from the NWSL champion, North Carolina Courage, Paul Riley, next on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to to just do it right. All the fans... They're always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest kind of represents a whole big group of people. We have had many of the players from the once again NWSL champion North Carolina Courage. We talked to the owner, Steve Malik, last week. We've spoken with the GM, Kurt Johnson, many times. We welcome back the head coach of the team that I was there, put up not only a win, but a dominating 4 to nothing victory over Chicago in the NWSL championship game. They got to play that match on their home field. Paul Riley, congratulations and welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Thanks very much. Yeah, buzzing today. All good. I, I imagine you feel like you are representing a small army worth of people because it looks like an all-star team that you throw out there, Coach, uh, especially when you're beating quality competition the way you did yesterday. Ah, oh, well, it's a tough league to win. All these leagues are tough to win. But, uh, yesterday was special. I think being home was, was really special for the players, and it was an amazing crowd. And they've been behind us all season, but to get them all here for yesterday was massive for us. Obviously, we haven't beaten Chicago all season, so to actually get one over on them in the final was pretty good. We had to, to perform on the big final, and a lot of times when you get to that final, it, you know, you don't perform, and the team doesn't play up to expectation. But yesterday, and happy for them, and obviously it's two in a row for them, so the players are pretty ecstatic, and good night of celebration, and uh, some happy times around the camp, for sure. How long did that night of celebration go, Coach? We saw it on the field. I imagine it got a little <laughs> crazier what we couldn't see. Yeah, it was unbelievable. We know the champagne celebration is always fun in the locker room, and I think they're the things that, that stick in your memory forever, not just the game, but the aftermath. And uh, I think it's, sometimes it's a release of stress, sometimes a release of tension of going through a season like we did. And obviously it was a World Cup year, so there's ups and downs, and uh, it wasn't as smooth sailing as it was the year before. But And I said to everyone, but routine, but the final, you know, we turned up in the final, and those World Cup players who have played a lot of games this year, uh, from all different countries, not just the U.S., showed up. And, I mean, Dabina was brilliant yesterday, you know, and she yep. played in the World Cup for Brazil. And uh, uh, Crystal Dunn was very good. Sam Lewis was very good. So the World Cup players really helped. But it's been a squad affair, you know. you got a big squad, and they've all taken part, and they've all helped us a lot get there. And without the 26 of them, you can't get there because somehow some place inside those practices, those players represent Sam Kerr, and they represent Yugi. 
and the best players on Chicago, and they've done that with uh, great intent, and that's key to successful, I think, is making sure that everybody's on board and uh, everyone's got accountability and everyone has ownership in the group. Coach, there's probably a lot of folks in the Raleigh, Cary, Durham, Chapel Hill part of our audience who know your story fairly well. For the rest of our state, we're, we're on in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns. How do you describe motivating a group of women who probably know deep down inside that they are the most talented team in their league? How do you get them to sort of reach and become their best on a day-to-day basis when they already are the best in their business? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, that we talk about the chase a lot and leaving the jersey better than when you found it, you know. And I said to the players before they went out on the field yesterday that uh, today we'll you know, make sure your jersey's in a better spot after 90 minutes than it was when you got here. Yeah. And, that, you know, 12 years from now they can talk about that jersey. But what we put into practice and uh, is amazing, really, to be honest with you. And it, you know, we talk about the mission. We don't talk about, we don't set goals. We don't talk about goals. We don't talk about championships. And it's really about, uh, the process and improving in the process and incremental improvement, marginal gains. You know, can you gain one percent in seven different areas? You know, from this season to the next season. And the last part is when you've been successful, which they have been the last few years. You have to improve the team while you're successful. You can't just rest on your laurels and hope next season will be just as good. You have to improve. And I think now's a good time while you're on top is to improve and make and make improvements and make suggestions. And, you know, we had exit meetings already started today and talking to the players, what can we do better next year to make this club better? And the collaboration with players and staff is hugely important to the group. And everybody has a seat at the table. When you have a seat at the table, you have a voice. And when your whole voice is 10 into 1, then that's when it becomes success. And it's been a great ride. You know, we won in Western New York uh, four years ago. Yeah. We came to Carolina. We lost the final. Never won the last two. So they've had a lot of success. It's still a relatively young team. Most of them are 26, 27. I still think there's two or three great years in the group yet. And I still think we have more things to do and more improvements to make. And every player I met with this morning said the same thing. We want to get better. We just want to develop. We want to do more. And it's just amazing to see after you just won the final. But that's the way they are, you know, which is fantastic to coach, obviously. Paul Riley is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He was a player himself back in the day, a footballer from his native England. He's been an incredibly successful coach in the NWSL and otherwise now with the two-time back-to-back champions of that league. Paul Riley joining us. It was pretty cool. I had a feeling because you're such a veteran that you would figure out a way to get Heather O'Reilly a standing ovation by subbing for her uh, late in the match. And sure enough, you did that. How do you put into words, you know, what she has meant to your club? Because people around here, Coach, they can picture her in a UNC uniform a long time ago. And he's, she's also worn that red, white, and blue of Team USA. Yeah, I mean, what a story this year, really. Heather O'Reilly is. I mean, she went away to the World Cup to do broadcasting. And I didn't know if she would be able to get back in the squad, you know, never yeah. mind in the starting lineup. And then an injury to Mary Mathias put her right into right back. She's never played right back in her life. Not at UNC, not at the wow. national team. And we've spent the last six weeks teaching a new position, and at 34, in six weeks, you learn a new position. And you know what? She did an awful good job on Japanese International Magasado yesterday, and uh, hats off to her, you know. But, you know, she's always been a risk taker. She's never bubble wrapped her life. She's always lived on the edge and uh, been a revolutionary for me. And I think it was a perfect ending. And, you know, she started a career 17 years ago on this field, and she finishes it 17 years later. So I thought it was a great opportunity. Uh, to get a standard ovation, the went the game went our way, which obviously made it a little bit easier. And as one of my assistant coaches that suggested it, and I said, "What a great idea, man!" You know, to see her face when she was coming off was yeah. was absolutely amazing. So, I mean, what a way to go out, you know, in a World Cup year, and then uh, obviously we win the title, and she comes back and gets a start and place in the lineup. 
you know, that's, that's what happens when you step out your comfort zone. And I tell all young players all the time, you've got to do that. You have to take risks. And, and Heather O'Reilly never played right back in her life before. Our fourth right back on our team, all three <laughs> right backs are injured. And she ends up playing in the championship game to win it at right back. So it's a brilliant story and a great end to an amazing career. And she's, she's been great for me this year. And I tell her all the time when you walk on the high wire in the clouds and you, you, you get good things in life. And she's always walked on the high wire and took risks. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm sure there's a lot more for her now coaching at UNC yeah. and maybe even coaching with national teams and stuff like that. And I'm just honoured to have been able to coach her the last two seasons. And now we send, send her off on the merry way with the title, which is always nice too, you know. Coach, beyond the winning, you know, I've been around this market for a long time, and I was even around for the original rendition. They used to call them the, the Carolina Courage in, in a different women's pro soccer league here in the United States. So your NWSL is the third attempt at making this concept work. And one thing I was struck by, because I attended the game, not even in the media box, I just wanted to enjoy it as a fan. Uh, I'm not sure I've seen more people in Salem Stadium. I know you all set a record 10,000 plus. How do you describe the evolution of this league? Because it feels like everybody wants to make sure that it is a success, even as your North Carolina courage is a success here locally. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think it's been one of those years for women's soccer that you know we won't forget. And you know the main thing is that when the World Cup dies down and the NWSL finishes up, can we continue the momentum? And yeah. I think that's the most important part of and the revolutionary part of this league. You know, can we do it? Obviously, got more sponsors on board. And when you see Chicago put seventeen thousand in and uh, Washington DC put uh, seventeen thousand in and uh, all these crowds all over the country have been fantastic. And yesterday, I would agree with you, Salem Stadium was buzzing yesterday. I've never seen anything like it. And we've been here for three years, and it felt like there was 15,000 in there, yep. I've got to be honest with you. And there's loads of people outside that didn't have tickets yesterday. And uh, But, you know, we're, we're travelers on the on the map, on, on the route, and uh, the journey, you don't know where it's going to take us in women's soccer. And the main thing is to keep pushing on and making further improvements, further qualities of life, and making sure that, uh, they, the players get what they need to be successful for the next national team, next World Cup, Olympic Games next year, and for the clubs to survive and flourish. And, uh, we've been flourishing in this market. You know, it's been a great change for us from Buffalo. Uh, I mean, we can never be thankful for the Salem's and what they did for us. And when they sold us down here and sponsored the stadium, we see their name up on Salem Stadium every day. And uh, they did a lot for us until we fully came down. And uh, and obviously here too. It's, an, it's a magnificent place to play. And um, I'm hoping we continue to be successful and we continue to be the best players in the world here. But I think one thing you know about women's soccer is the best players in the world. And you get to see them in your own market every week in the spring and the summer and into the fall. And there's nothing like that. And there's nothing like watching top players play. And it, it, we didn't play great yesterday. We played okay yesterday. But everybody was just, you know, just happy for the group. I think that after all the hard work, it was worth it. And, We'll keep plugging along. Another league's got changes. We've got expansion coming. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like Sacramento for next year or uh, and the year after. I think it's Austin. Uh, so hopefully there'll be, you know, some big changes and more more improvement in the group and you know more sponsors on board. Budweiser's come on board. And right. So there's more and more of them. You know. So yeah, we're excited. The fans are excited. We keep uh, getting more fans in here. And, uh, uh, we just keep going. The supporters clubs getting bigger. Good belonging inside the group and. We just keep plugging along. Last thing for you, Coach. I wonder when you mentioned the sponsors coming on board, that's a big deal. Huge crowd, that's a big deal for the future of this league. Your match was on ESPN, which is kind of like, you know, it doesn't get any more worldwide than that. So rather than being on a different channel, I wonder if your phone buzzed, you know, that much more from congratulations from England or elsewhere around the world because – 
in our country, I mean, you know, that is the worldwide leader. You're not just on some channel. The whole world could watch you do what you did just yesterday with that back-to-back -back title. Yeah, it's amazing, to be honest with you. Obviously, I, well, my family's in England, uh, but I have a lot of players that I coach in Sweden, in Iceland, in Norway, uh, all over the world, and there's a tremendous amount of uh, text messages and WhatsApp messages from, from everyone just saying, you know, they loved enjoying the game. The crowd looked amazing. Yeah. What an atmosphere. And uh, just two quality teams. You know, the NWSL is known for the quality of player. And, you know, we have a lot of well players playing in it, like Abby Erzig and Dabinia and these type of players. And I think they make the American player better. But they also help with the worldwide audience, too. I'm sure there's a lot of people watching in Brazil yesterday. And, I mean, Dabinia's their yeah. best player. But ESPN on board is amazing. And we need more games. And I think next year we will get more games on ESPN. It looks like it's going to be a long-term thing. And, I think that's brilliant for the players and obviously great for, for anyone who loves women's soccer. And it's a pure game, you know, compared to the men's game. It's very pure. It's very honest. And the players are honest and they're playing for all the right reasons. And not, not all athletes are playing for the right reasons, but these lot are, you know, for sure. A lot of good news. Uh, congratulations from us, Coach. We just had Steve Malik on the show. Uh, but on behalf of a whole lot of soccer fans across our statewide audience, uh, we can't interview every one of your players on the show, although we've had about a dozen of them on our program over the years. Uh, congrats on the job well done, and now back-to-back -back NWSL titles. Thanks for dropping by the day after the big party. Thanks, DJ. Thanks to everyone else for the support, too. Keep going, North Carolina. Thanks, guys. You got it. Paul Riley of the North Carolina Courage. You can follow him on Twitter at P. Riley Fury for life. Use the number four. P. Riley, F-U-R-Y, the number four, the word life. Legendary at this point, women's soccer coach Paul Riley. Congratulations to all the women. Uh, shout out to Heyo. That's Heather O'Reilly. That's what they call her. Heyo. Good luck to her in retirement with her family and in her new job as a, an assistant coach with the North Carolina women's team, which I saw win against Florida State on Friday night, man. I had my soccer-loving buddy visiting as a fraternity brother. Had to take him to a couple soccer matches. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch. Next. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Just to confirm, Ron Rivera has certified that, as expected, Kyle Allen will start again. This time against Tennessee in Charlotte as Cam Newton continues to rehab. Appreciate Paul Riley, NWSL champion, for dropping by. Shout out to all the others who put that title together. Jordan Gross, a fun guest as well. It's a light menu TV-wise tonight. Warriors, Pelicans, Hornets, Clippers, and other NBA. And, of course, Dolphins, Steelers. Enjoy. See you tomorrow. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.